BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. It's time for Justice Matters with former federal prosecutor and MSNBC analyst, Glenn Kirshner. The judge who's presiding over the second E. Jean Carroll case gave some specific instructions to the jury about Donald Trump. Here's Glenn to explain. So friends, as you know, the second E. Jean Carroll defamation trial against Donald Trump is well underway. You'll recall Ms. Carroll won the first defamation case against him to the tune of $5 million. And I suspect she will win the second case in the jury award this time will be well north of $5 million. But the presiding judge, Judge Lewis Kaplan, federal court judge, said something to the jury during jury selection, gave a very pointed instruction to the jury. And what he said provides some important facts, some important context, and I suggest some important messaging that we should all pick up on and we should repeat early and often, particularly as the November 2024 presidential election approaches. So let me first briefly talk about jury selection and then let's turn to what Judge Kaplan instructed the jurors in the second E. Jean Carroll defamation case against Donald Trump. So first of all, friends, I have long maintained that you can't win a case in jury selection, but you can sure lose it. It is such a vitally important part of the jury process, being able to impanel a fair and impartial jury. A jury that can swear under oath, because when you're going through jury selection, what we call voir dire, the jurors are placed under oath, and they're required to answer questions posed to them by the judge, by the parties, the prosecutors or the plaintiff's attorney, and the defendant's attorney or the respondent's attorney. They're required to answer those questions truthfully so everybody can gauge whether they can sit fairly and impartially in the case. They can set aside any preconceived notions. They can set aside any prejudices or biases they may have. They can set aside anything they may have seen reported about the case or about the parties in the case. And most importantly, in the context of a trial against a political figure, they can set aside their politics their ideology, their party affiliation. They can set it all aside and they can swear under oath to decide the case based only on the evidence they see introduced during the course of the trial. And part of voir dire, part of jury selection, involves a standard series of questions that the judge will ask to determine whether each juror can sit fairly and impartially in the case. I want to give you an example of some of the questions because it is one of these questions and the follow-up, the instruction that Judge Kaplan gave the jurors about that question that I think is going to provide some important messaging for purposes of, you know, 
the American voters deciding whether Donald Trump is really somebody they want to vote for. And this really is directed at Trump supporters, I think more so than anybody else. So let's turn to some of the standard jury selection questions. One of the questions will involve, for example, the burden of proof. Let me use a criminal case in this hypothetical. The judge will ask the jurors, ladies and gentlemen, the burden of proof in this case is proof beyond a reasonable doubt. It is a very high burden, a very high evidentiary standard. Does anybody believe that they would have a hard time applying the burden of proof in this case? If so, please raise your hand. Now, typically, not a lot of jurors raise their hand and say, yeah, I don't think I can apply the burden of proof. But if they do, the judge and the parties will follow up with some individual questions for that juror to see whether they can sit fairly and impartially and follow the judge's instructions, including the requirement to apply the burden of proof. Usually nobody answers that question though because I think people accept, okay, if the judge tells me what the burden of proof is, I can apply it. Then we get to slightly more challenging questions. For example, one of the questions the judge will always ask in a criminal case is, can you apply the presumption of innocence? That is, you must presume the defendant is not guilty of the charges, is innocent of the crimes for which he is standing trial. Is there anybody who would have a hard time applying the presumption of innocence? There are some hands that might go up. Why? Well, I've heard potential jurors say things like, you know, Judge, I know a lot about the legal system. And I know before the defendant came to sit in that defendant's chair in this criminal case, the police conducted an investigation. They applied for an arrest warrant. A judge concluded there was enough evidence to issue an arrest warrant. The case then went through a grand jury process and a whole bunch of grand jurors sitting as the conscience of the community heard all the evidence and they concluded there was enough evidence to indict the defendant. There was probable cause and judge, then I know that there have probably been a whole bunch of motions litigated in this case, including probably motions to dismiss. And I can only assume or infer that because the defendant is sitting here, the judge, perhaps you, denied all those motions and here we are ready to go to trial. I can certainly try to apply the presumption of innocence to do the mental gymnastics necessary for me to sort of ignore everything I know about the system and presume that this man is entirely innocent, has done nothing wrong, but it may be a challenge. Or some people may say, I just can't apply the presumption of innocence. I know too much. And that's not at all unusual. And ordinarily what happens is those jurors are excused because they can't sit fairly and impartially and independently. Maybe they know too much about the system and they don't think they can presume the defendant innocent, not guilty. So then there will be even more challenging questions. For example, if there are police officers or FBI agents, investigators, detectives, law enforcement that is expected to testify in a trial, the judge will always ask the jurors, can you judge a police officer's testimony just like you would judge anybody else's testimony? Can you promise to give a police officer no greater weight or no lesser weight 
to his testimony and in trying to decide the credibility of his testimony than you would give any other witness, civilian witnesses, for example. And friends, I can't tell you how many times I see hands go up and jurors will articulate things like, I've had a lot of bad experiences with the police. And judge, I think I'm gonna have a hard time judging the credibility of a police officer the way I would judge any other witness, anyone who's not a police officer. I've had jurors say, you know, my son is always being hassled by the police and my son does nothing wrong. Or maybe one of my loved ones has been falsely accused of a crime or arrested or convicted for something he didn't do. Judge, I cannot fairly judge the testimony of a police officer. And those jurors are excused. On the flip side of the coin, I've had any number of jurors say, you know, Judge, I've had all good experiences with the police. Maybe I even have family members and close friends who are police officers, and I tend to believe police officers when they testify under oath. So I might just automatically give their testimony more credibility, more weight, and I might have a hard time judging the credibility of a police officer fairly because of my life experiences. So whether you're somebody who says, I can't judge a police officer's testimony fairly, you know, because I don't trust the police or because I trust the police unquestioningly, those are folks that are ordinarily dismissed by the judge because they can't sit fairly and impartially and independently as a juror in the case. On the way, Judge Kaplan gave important instructions to the jury in the E. Jean Carroll trial. Glenn talks about this next on Justice Matters. Hi, Beowulf here with Justice Matters, and I'm here to remind you about one of the best decisions I've made recently, getting Factor Meals. Eating is so much easier for me with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals. Every fresh, never-frozen meal is chef-crafted, dietitian-approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor is flexible for your schedule. Get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries at any time. Also, there are more than 60 add-ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. Factor is the perfect solution if you're looking for fast, premium options with no cooking required. Sign up today and save. I've done the math, and I can tell you Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved nutritious, and delicious. So what are you waiting for? Get started today and start meeting your meal and nutrition goals. Head over to factormeals.com slash glen50 and use code glen50 to get 50% off. That's code glen50 at factormeals.com slash glen50 to get 50% off. Remember, go to factormeals.com slash glenn 50 and use code glenn50 to get 50% off today. Have you heard you can listen to your favorite news podcasts ad-free? Good news. With Amazon Music, you have access to the largest catalog of ad-free top podcasts included with your Prime membership. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app for free or go to amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts. That's amazon.com slash ad-free news podcasts to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. 
the second E. Jean Carroll trial, Judge Kaplan asked the jury a very important question that reminds voters exactly who Donald Trump is. Okay, now let's get to Judge Kaplan's question in the E. Jean Carroll case. Judge Kaplan said to the jurors, ladies and gentlemen, can you accept as a matter of fact that Donald Trump sexually assaulted and defamed Miss Carroll because a prior jury after a trial concluded and found that Donald Trump sexually assaulted and defamed Miss Carroll. And if you're going to sit as a juror in this case, you have to believe that as a matter of fact, that it's true, that it happened. Because the second trial is all about damages. You know, how much, if anything, Donald Trump should be made to pay to Miss Carroll for continuing to defame her. Ladies and gentlemen, can you accept this fact that the defendant, the respondent, Donald Trump, did sexually assault and defame Miss Carroll? And the judge looked around the courtroom, and there was not a single hand that went up. No juror said, Judge, I, I can't accept that. I mean, how can that be? I mean, that makes no sense. This man was the president of the United States. This man is the leading candidate for the Republican nomination to be president again. I can't accept that. How could that happen? I don't believe it, Judge. Not a single juror said they would have a hard time believing and accepting as a matter of fact that Donald Trump did these things to Miss Carroll. You know, frankly, they were probably sitting there thinking to themselves, yeah, I'd be surprised if he didn't do those kind of things given what we've come to learn about Donald Trump over the years. But that is a pretty powerful moment, friends, when a federal judge, after a jury concluded the same thing, a federal judge told a whole group of citizens, a full courtroom during jury selection, that they have to accept as a matter of fact that Donald Trump sexually assaulted and defamed a woman, and not a single juror said they would have a hard time accepting that. They would have a hard time believing that. That is some important messaging. That Donald Trump, who's running to be president again, in fact, as found by a jury and announced by a federal judge to a room full of potential jurors, the fact that Donald Trump sexually assaulted and defamed Miss Carroll. So here's the message, friends. A vote for Donald Trump is a vote for sexual assault, defamation, and I will add, based on Donald Trump's own words, a vote for Donald Trump is a vote for dictatorship. Because he told us he will be a day one dictator. I will be a dictator on day one. So friends, the message, based on a jury and a federal judge and a whole room full of potential jurors who said, you bet we can accept that as fact, is that a vote for Donald Trump is a vote for sexual assault, defamation, and dictatorship. Now, friends, I am not a political pundit, a political expert, a political analyst. I don't even play one on TV. 
But to me, that resonates. That feels like powerful messaging, and it's messaging that comes from a jury and a federal judge and a room full of potential jurors. So I hope we will continue to try to get that message out in the many months in the run-up to the 2024 presidential election. And as I always say, you know, no matter what, we need to get out in numbers too big to rig and too real to steal. And we need to rid ourselves of, you know, this big orange stain on our democracy, Donald Trump. Because justice matters. Friends, as always, please stay safe, please stay tuned, and I look forward to talking with you all again tomorrow. For more on Glenn, go to Glenn Kirshner 2 on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. This is Justice Matters.